Hello and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about taboo topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist with a passion for helping women to get fit, feel good, and live boldly. Riley Kenworthy, a businesswoman, entrepreneur, women's advocate, and so much more. Riley, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today, but as I mentioned before we start recording, I think you're going to give a way better introduction for yourself, so please let the audience know who you are. All right. Hi, Tessa. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, my name is Riley Kenworthy. I am from Texas originally. I went to school in Boston. And I've worked in tech for about the last uh, decade, I'd say. Um, I've been a fitness lover as well my whole life. So these two worlds really collided when I became the global athletic director of F45 Training. After that, I built my own consulting company for fitness entrepreneurs. And then I went off to be an executive at two different tech companies in the fitness industry over the last few years. So um, that's kind of my professional background. But in addition to that, my husband and I, we own three fitness studios, which you're obviously familiar with, Tessa. And then um, I am a mother to a two and a half year old little rascal named Leo. Yeah, I know he is so stinking cute. I love when you share photos of him and his little outfits and those curly little locks. Um, I love seeing everybody's babies. It's so cute. But yeah, no, it's so nice that obviously over the past few years, we've gotten to know each other, not only through F45, but just marketing and really transitioning into this world of online fitness, which we'll dive into a little bit more throughout this podcast. But obviously, a lot of this online world that we're going to be discussing is attributed to what has happened with the pandemic and gyms closing down. You know that not only from a personal level, but also from a business standpoint, having owned three gyms or owning those three gyms. So I think you're going to be able to really speak to kind of what that looked like for the fitness industry as a whole. And so I really want to talk about not only that, but also your life as an entrepreneur. Something that I really like about you and really enjoy about your social media in particular is that you give a lot of advice to women going into business about how to stand up for themselves, how to advocate for themselves. And you share a lot of tips that always remind me to tell my nail technician if I didn't love how she did my nails and like silly little tips like that. But I think all of those things are really important. I actually just did an interview with somebody else who's based in Las Vegas. And we talked a lot about having the confidence to advocate for yourself in life and business and things like that. And I think these are things that you preach on your social media and you are really adamant about. And so I want to kind of start with that and talk a little bit about businesses as a whole and Having been in the tech industry, that is a very male dominant industry, as is fitness and as is entrepreneurship. And so what is something that you want women to really understand going into these new companies or new roles? I love this question. Um, I think something that's always really important and something that I try to remind myself frequently is be 
bold. I really, really believe that fortune favors the bold. So what does bold look like for you? What are some of those things that are probably unexpected from others that just ooze confidence, whether or not you have the confidence, right? Because confidence is a muscle. So you just got to work it even when you're not feeling it. So for example, if you are applying for a job, I mean, I've hired so many people and I'll tell you what, to be on the other side of that hiring table, you're getting hundreds of resumes. And at some point they all start to look the same. So what can you do to be bold and really stand out at that part of the process? Like go in and shake a hand, go to the place you want to work and say, hi, my name is so-and-so I'm applying for this position. I would love to just meet the hiring manager, shake their hand and put a face to the name. Go be bold, right? Send a video, get really creative with your resume. Again, they all start to look the same. What's something unique that you can do? Um, and then when you're in the interview process, again, just go for it. Like just swing for the fences and be bold. A lot of times we want to keep everything really perfect and tight, but think about the things. If you were the CEO of this company, what would you want to hear? And then freaking Sam. Right. When I interview someone and they're willing to say something like, I work my ass off, I hustle, or, or, um, Maybe they'll say something like, you know, I might ask you why you are um, requesting that I do a certain thing or how to do it, because what I really want to do is understand your thought process so that I can step up and lead from there next time so that I can think proactively in alignment with your process. If somebody is willing to say things like that to me in an interview, I'm like, yes, this person has some chutzpah. They're proactive. Like that's the kind of person I want in the room. I want someone that's going to challenge me, that's going to be willing to raise their hand. So what can you do to really show your boldness before you've even walked into that role? And then once you land the job, I think something that's really important, especially as a woman, is to listen hard and ask really smart questions. Sometimes we think that if we ask questions, it's going to make us sound dumb, like we don't understand. We're not asking clarifying questions. We're asking questions that make people think. And there's an incredible amount of value in people asking the right questions because it's a thought exercise for everyone in the room. Often we want to just sit there and nod. But if you're asking smart questions, then what that means is that you're really listening and you're looking for opportunities. So prepare for those meetings. Be thinking of what are the questions I could ask. Be listening all along the way. Take notes. That's how you really set yourself apart in a new role. Because if you come in pretending like you know everything, that might rub people the wrong way. But you can subtly stand out by having really intelligent questions. And then I think the last thing I would say to anybody uh, coming in for a new job Ask for what you want, you guys. The only way to get what you want is if you freaking ask for it, right? That is the keys to the kingdom, ladies. Ask for it and be willing to stand for it because people don't expect you to claim what you want and they certainly don't expect you to stick by it. So a lot of times they'll push back a little bit, but if you stand for what you want, they're going to respect you so much more. So a line for you maybe like let's just take salary, for example. Um, if you're at the negotiation table, you might say, you know, I would expect a salary range of 120 to 150,000 because I've done industry comps for my role and experience and I know the market can bear it. Like you've, you've told them what you want. You've said you've done your research and then follow that up with a power statement. I know the market can bear it, Right. Like that's just a no bullshit answer. But often we go, oh, you know, like, what are you thinking? Or I'm not sure I can be flexible. No, stand for what you want. Claim it, put it out there, right? And also 
just another little tip. If you leave one job and you go to the next and they ask you how much you were making at your previous role, add 20,000, like give yourself the raise that you probably never fought for, right? Because also as women, we don't ask for raises nearly enough to give yourself that dang raise. Yeah, no, I think that's obviously very amazing and powerful advice. And that also goes for women in the fitness industry that might be listening to this. A lot of times when I get on sales calls with clients, I will hear, oh, that's too expensive, or that's not what I was expecting. And you will hear a lot of trainers have high rates and people always say, why are personal trainers so expensive? Because we have certifications, we've put money into it. We have done the research. Everybody else that is doing the same thing or not as much as us is offering more. And so we have to really decide as entrepreneurs in this space, as personal trainers, as online trainers, as online nutritionists, whatever you are in this space, standing by what your price is and standing firm to it. I don't give discounts to people and maybe that's harsh, but it's just not something I do because I know my value and I know my worth. And I think that just like if it's a hiring manager that's going into this, people will see that if you have the confidence and you are bold enough to say to somebody, this is my worth and I'm standing by it and I don't deserve any less than this because I have worked my ass off to get here And so I think that's pretty amazing. So I think that's great advice for anyone. Anytime someone has a price objection, what you should be hearing is they just don't see the value. And that's okay. That's a starting point, right? So if they don't see the value at that price range, then either we haven't shown them the value. So what could I be doing differently to really show them that this is worth every penny that, or they haven't equated the value of what this will actually contribute to their life, right? There's some sort of misalignment, which is just good to identify because now we can course correct from there. Yeah, no, that's really great, really helpful advice. And so Riley, how you said that you obviously have been in the tech industry for quite some time. You own three gyms in Las Vegas. You are now working back in the tech industry. So how can you tell me a little bit about what your process has been in terms of becoming an entrepreneur? Did you always plan this? Did you plan to start your consulting agency? Like, how did this come about? Um, I would say I've always had the entrepreneur gene. Um, my parents were entrepreneurs, so I just kind of grew up like problem solving business at a, at a dinner table. So um, I've always wanted to do that. I mean, when I was little, I was like, okay, come on, brother, like get, get a bucket and let's make some lemonade and I'll hold signs and you do, I'll do front of house, you do back of house, right? Or if I was in Girl Scouts, I was like, how do I sell the most cookies? Like, how do I just maximize this? I've always been hustling. Um, And I think that's because there's something about a fixed income that really bothers me. Like, I don't want to know that I'm going to make X amount every single month. I need that question mark because I really like risk and I really like the upside and I like relying on myself. Like, I want that pressure. Um, In terms of how I went in and out and all around entrepreneurship, um, you know, I've worked with uh, some really incredible companies. I feel very fortunate for the the experience that I've had professionally. Um, And I'm always thinking about how can I uh, take this experience, package it up and educate others? How can I help others to receive the benefits that I've gotten here? Um, So I think I'm naturally a bit of a wanting to be a bit of a a knowledge broker in that way. 
So then when COVID hit um, and all of these trainers were out of their studios and suddenly jobless, I saw so many people in my network just struggling to figure it out and what to do next. So I actually, uh, I took a, a friend's class and after class, I was like, hey, can I, are you open to some feedback? And I gave her just a couple little pointers on how to um, create, you know, a, a better like legion system, how to turn some of these trials into members. And she was like, this is so helpful. I need more of this. Like, can I work with you? And um, that experience really showed me like, okay, I need to package this up and start helping trainers right now in this moment. So I created my business. Uh, it was called Rebel Boss and it was fitness consulting for the uh, fitness entrepreneur. And so uh, I did, you know, a business boot camp program that was a small group program, four weeks long. I did one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching. I've made programs and courses you can buy. And so that was a really great experience. But um, yeah, that's how I got into that. And then obviously we have our gyms. That was just a, a great opportunity. That's awesome. And you mentioned, obviously, during COVID, the fitness industry completely changed. Fitness businesses were greatly impacted by having to close down for quite some time. And so can you talk about in your experience as both a tech professional and as a gym owner, how fitness shifted in that time during COVID? Yeah, it was... Uh... It's been interesting because I sit on both. I feel like I'm playing for both teams. I have a fitness studio. So obviously I want everybody to come back to the studio and start their memberships back up. But then I'm also helping fitness entrepreneurs running their online businesses. So I want people to not go to the gym and instead to work with those trainers. So uh, I'm at a weird crossroads here. But um, the fitness industry was definitely greatly impacted, like you said. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting is that 10% of US homes actually built a gym during COVID at home. So that's 14 million new home gyms wow. now available, right? Crazy. So people started investing in equipment. I think the stat is like $96 on average was invested into a person's home gym. So we have weights, we have kettlebells, we have bands, we have jump ropes, we have all kinds of new toys to now play with. Um, also, over 20% of people working out during COVID had previously never exercised. So it's not even that the hyper users exercised more. It's that people who were not exercising now came online. So, so the, the total addressable market really grew, uh, which is just awesome. And I think another thing about this industry that shifted is people started having this real come to Jesus moment about their health, right? Yeah. Especially as we realized that obesity and underlying conditions were having negative outcomes with COVID. People like it got really real for people. So that really upped the ante around health and wellness. And it really increased the total addressable market for wellness professionals. I think that it's always so interesting when we look at things like that, because I've seen such a rise, as I'm sure you have, in fitness over the years, just in general. It's crazy to me that after I graduated college, all of a sudden bodybuilding became something a lot of women I knew were doing. Eating healthy became something a lot of people were doing that they weren't previously doing. And then when COVID happened, like you said, what, 20% of people had not even worked out before. And so it became this moment of, oh, I either they were bored and needed something to do, or they realized that they were maybe ready to work out and were comfortable doing it in their own homes and never even considered that option because 
before COVID, yes, people have home gyms, but it's not as common to work out at home, I don't think. Um, And so that could be very interesting. But I always find this to be just, yeah, such a curious uh, statistic and in a, a way that the industry really has shifted because before COVID happened, I was diehard in-person training, was only going to be an in-person trainer, was only going to teach group classes and never once considered online training. I did not think it was something that I would ever even touch. And when I hired a business coach, they were like, you're not going to do online training. And I was like, no, I really think that I can do more in person. It's a higher price tag. And I like having the in-person experience. And they were like, okay, but if you want to give us a couple weeks just to kind of show you. And I was like, fine, I'll see. I will just launch a program and see how it goes. And it was my best month to date of my business. I think I earned more money my first month of business than I had the previous year combined. Um, So it was just crazy to watch this just massive shift of in-person training to online training. And it became such a phenomenon. And like, why do you think online training wasn't really as popular before and gained all this popularity? Was it just because of COVID? Or do you think there was like something else that it's maybe been coming up and people just haven't known about it? Um, well, I mean, you're a great case study, right? You didn't think it was even possible or something worth considering. And then until your hand was forced, all of a sudden you see the new possibility here. So I think a lot of people did just, you know, fall into the old models. I think this industry, as much as everything around us has innovated, the fitness industry has stayed mostly the same. The biggest shakeup was going from big box gym to these like fragmented options and boutique studios, right? But for the fitness trainer, that didn't necessarily change their life. So this was the biggest um, mindset and behavioral shift in the industry. And I think that, you know, that's one of the reasons why. Yeah. And for me, it wasn't even that I didn't think it was possible. I didn't even like know what it was necessarily because I hadn't done any research. I had never hired an online coach. I know that there are programs out there that people love that are like Beachbody or other things that have app. There's a lot of apps out there that are available and have been out there for such a long time. I've never done any of those things. I've never experienced any of those things. And so I do think it's really interesting that online fitness is such a thriving business now. I have Mm -hmm. multiple friends in this industry, obviously being in Austin, Texas, This is a very fitness industry dominated city. And I would say a majority of the people I know here are other fitness trainers and they solely do online training. So that's really interesting to me. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about the work that you're specifically doing. I know, um, obviously, when you had Rebel Boss, you were teaching fitness professionals how to start these online businesses. But I know you are with a new company so can you tell me a little bit more more about the company you're with and what you guys are doing? Yeah. So um, it, it, what's interesting that you're saying here is now all these uh, online trainers have started their businesses and the market has responded. And the company that I work for is one of those, you know, in response uh, businesses. So one of the reasons why a lot of trainers weren't, 
doing an online game is because all they really thought was uh, their options were like an app, you know, I'm going to charge what $9.99 for an app to do stuff online, or I'm going to teach on YouTube. Like, what are my options here? And they were taking Venmo payments. It was really like a piecemealed solution. So the company that I work for is called recess.tv. Um, and there's two sides of our business. On the trainer side, we provide business tools and software so that you can run your online business. You can create a schedule. You can have an on-demand video library. You can sell your memberships. It's really where you can host your business. If you're familiar with MindBody or other CRMs, we're, we're a competitor to MindBody um, for the fitness entrepreneur and studios. Um, and then on the other side of what we do, the number one complaint or issue that a lot of trainers have is they just can't find enough leads and enough clients, right? So what we do is we also have a matchmaking service. So if you are a client in the industry and you're just looking for a new trainer, you can go to this website. You can buy what we call a hall pass. That's our universal membership. And you can sample out different trainers until you find the one that you like. And then ultimately, we hope that you migrate over to their membership. So that's what Recess is all about. Very cool. So in terms of what the platform, what programs the trainers are offering? Are they offering different types of programs through your guys' software? Or is it like um, like live classes people can take? Is there a, a mix of what that content looks like? Yeah. So as a trainer, you could be doing your live classes online. Um, you could also be uploading videos to have maybe an on-demand library. You could be selling challenges and programs. You can train clients one-on-one. -on -one. You can do just about anything you need to run your business. We're just all of the software that will power that for you. Very cool. So if anybody is looking for trainers or looking for an option for at home, that might be a really great place to start looking and kind of see what options are out there. I found it really interesting during COVID doing the Instagram live workouts. I was so bad at it. I tried quite a few times to master the Instagram live, but it really is quite a challenge to create a platform. I think that creating a fitness business is a really, a really tricky thing to do. And I don't think people understand what that, that change going from in-person to online is and how difficult it is because being an in-person trainer or being a group fitness instructor is such a different game. And so online is so interesting to me. I think it's awesome though, that we can, as online professionals can serve people everywhere and don't just have to deal with clients that are in person with us. It's so nice to have a wider range of clientele. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you used to only really have the options of proximity as a client. Now you can work with any trainer in the entire world. That just, you're so much more likely to find one that really resonates with you, and then you're going to stick with them. And the, and the more we feel uh, connected to our trainer and that particular program, the longer you're going to be working out, the more health outcomes you're going to have. So I think it's a benefit to everyone as a whole. Yeah. So obviously you are on both sides of the spectrum where we just mentioned you have the gyms and you also have the online side of things where you are teaching trainers how to run online businesses. So what are some things in your personal opinion that have changed for the better and things that have changed for the worse with this shift in the fitness industry? Ooh, um, I think it's here to stay. I think, so, you know, I, a lot of people ask, like, is this just a flash in the pan or is the pendulum going to swing? I do really believe that it's here to stay. And there's, there's really two parts to this equation. The 
trainers and the clients. And I think um, that there are benefits. Things have changed for the better on both parties. So in terms of trainers, you know, a lot of industries right now are shifting and adapting to the creator economy, right? We're at a time in the world where it's the rise of the personal brand, right? Like you don't need institutions and organizations to house you as an individual to help you monetize your skill set anymore, right? So I think trainers were always going to get hip to this. And um, this has just, you know, COVID has expedited this entire process. I mean, the fitness industry is powered by trainers. They are the talent, yet they've remained mostly powerless in this industry based on the way it used to be. So some of the benefits are they now have a voice. They can now set their own rules. I mean, a lot of gyms will take 50 to 60% of a personal trainer's session price. I'm sure you know this game. You've been in PT. So you work your ass off and you walk out with like $40, right? You have to do the gym's hours that they've assigned. You have to do their administrative tasks and you leave with just a fraction of your value. So these highly skilled professionals that have invested so much time and energy and knowledge, they can take that exact same skill set now and be an independent operator and take 100% of that session price and create their own hours and walk out with 120th session, 150th session, right? So um, they can now, you know, what, what used to be you had to go to the big box gym to do your marketing and find clients. Now you can build a six-figure business with just 2,000 loyal followers on social media. So I think those are some of the things that have really changed for the better in this industry is that you have empowered trainers that are no longer subservient to other big institutions. Um, some of the things that have changed for the worse, <laughs> I think, you know, not everybody is an entrepreneur. And just like you were saying, there are so many elements to this. It's not as easy as just show up and teach. And for that reason, sometimes the gyms are great for people. You just show up and you do what you're told and you and you train your clients, right? And that's perfect for a lot of people. Um, but for, for many trainers I've seen in this industry are experiencing a high level of burnout I think it is it is hard to uh, show up online every day. You know, uh, sometimes I'll see trainers discount their prices because it's an online class versus an in-person class. Highly recommend we do not do that because it's the same amount of time it took you to program that workout, the same amount of time to like get ready, get yourself set, the same amount of just all that prep work. And the, and the class is the same, but you're actually having to give so much more of yourself when you are online versus in person. Because when you're on person, you can kind of like relax. You can maybe like give a couple pointers here and there. When you're on the video screen, you have to project, you have to be loud. You have to express like 20% more energy and enthusiasm because it just doesn't translate online as well. It's exhausting. So you've got to charge the same prices, but a lot of people just aren't built for that. And we are experiencing a lot of burnout in this industry. I wonder if also some of the burnout that is obviously happening online can also be happening in person, just like every other industry you hear restaurants or some of these gyms are having a hard time employing people because there are not enough people that are wanting to work still. And a lot of those people are going online. Now, I think that there's such a benefit to both. If you love training in person, I think there's a really good space for that still because you have the option of doing both where you can train people online and you can train people in person. Or if you choose you don't want to do in-person one-on-one, you can do online one-on-one and pick up some group classes here and there if you like having that connection. So it's kind of nice for both in the trainer's perspective, but it's also nice for the consumer because 
For example, my clients, I have so many clients that love doing Pilates once a week. And so they have the opportunity to not only train one-on-one with a trainer at a rate that is more affordable than hiring somebody one-on-one in their gym, but then they're also getting the opportunity to go do those in-person classes so that they're having that connection with other people. And so I think that it's really beneficial in that sense. And it's, yeah, it's crazy to me. You said, obviously, we've talked about the fact that this is not something that's easy to start up. When I first started doing online, as I mentioned, I was doing live Instagram classes and it was a nightmare. I did not understand how hard it was. I thought, you know, I've been teaching classes for a couple of years. You've obviously seen me teach a class. I don't have a problem engaging with people or giving corrections to people, but something about being online, it's hyper-focused. You're staring at yourself the entire time. You don't get the interaction with the people. If you're doing something like Instagram, it's just names scrolling by. You don't get to see faces. And that took a lot of energy. And I like the way that I currently am running my business because it gives me the opportunity for a little bit of flex versus having to show up on video every single day. I'm actually pre-creating these programs. Actually, that's what I was doing before we hopped on this interview is creating these programs one-on-one for my clients, providing those to them, but having daily communication with them. But they also know there is so much more they receive from online that they ever received from me in person. Because when you go to an in-person trainer, that in-person trainer Mm -hmm. shows up for your one hour Mm -hmm. session, you leave, and then they come back whenever their next session is. My clients have access to me 24 seven. And so they get to text me and ask questions that send videos and ask about their diet. And so it's really been an interesting transition, but it's been really beneficial because it teaches me how to communicate better with clients and how to understand this industry. And um, if trainers are looking to really understand this side of things and haven't started a business and want to, I hired a trainer myself. I love having my own trainer. And it's been such an eye-opening experience being on the opposite side of the training so that I can really understand how that communication should look and how I can best serve my clients because of how I'm being trained. You know, you brought up a really great point. I love what you said um, because this shift really, um, when trainers became the entrepreneurs rather than the employees of a business, they then had to ask themselves, how do I, as as a new business, like best solve my clients' needs and problems, right? So we kind of had a new fresh blank slate to architect what is the best experience that's going to give my clients the best results. So for a lot of people, what do they need? They need great programming. They need, you know, somebody to hold them accountable, right? They need consistency. And so because we're not under the roof of a big box gym, having to work the floor however many hours a week, you are now so much more available to show up for your clients in a more meaningful way. So I think that's another great benefit of what we've seen with this industry shift is that we're able to problem solve differently and we're able to really provide for clients now. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think that people should also take that into consideration when they're trying to figure out. I post a lot about, is it better to hire in person or is it better to hire somebody online? I typically take on clients that need a majority of accountability. 
anybody can create a workout program. Anybody can create a nutrition program. Now I'm not saying it's going to be the best program, but anybody can create one essentially. But it really comes down to who's going to resonate with your personality and who's going to be able to give you that accountability. And most of my clients just need that accountability. And just because you are going to somebody in person does not keep you accountable. I signed up for three classes this week and canceled them all until today. Like that is not going to keep me accountable. And so, you know, so it's nice to have that person online to help keep you accountable. Like we're all guilty of it. We all sign up for classes. Again, I used to teach group fitness. I know how many no shows were in my classes every single time. Yep. And it's so nice to be able to take control of your salary as well. I know you obviously mentioned that as an online trainer, you should be charging the same price for your classes online as you would in person. I think there's this odd misconception that fitness trainers make a ton of money or now that there's so many influencers and big trainers, people always think like, oh, you you make like what we're paying X amount for our membership. So you must make a lot of money. And I'm like, no, you got it twisted. A lot of group fitness instructors in particular don't make a fabulous salary. Um, obviously, it's going to differ from gym to gym and franchise to franchise, but it's not like, oh, these trainers are walking out just with their pockets full of cash. And so being able to switch over to that online model, whether it is selling programs or selling one-on-one, it's really nice to have the autonomy to say, okay, this is what I want to charge because I've seen the other side of things. I have made the least amount you possibly could at a gym I was working at here in Austin. And I was like, I can't do this forever. We can't survive on this. And so it's nice to be able to take that into your own control. So you mentioned that you think this is here to stay. Online fitness is something that is going to continue to move forward. So what other changes do you think are going to happen or how do you think the industry is going to continue to evolve over the next few years? I think you touched on something that's going to continue to expand, and that's the hybrid model for both trainer and clients. Um, I think, you know, trainers want the option to do a little bit of both. A lot of people, uh, the trainer personality is usually an extrovert and somebody that might be um, energized by being around other people in person. So I do think that a lot of people still have that need, that itch they want to scratch, but they have seen that, you know, the online model is advantageous for them. So I think you're going to see them doing hybrid. And I also think clients want to do hybrid. You know, I own three gyms and I have a gym membership here in Austin, but I tell you what, the only workouts that I really do are my online workouts three days a week with a trainer. So, and, and the reason being is that, I can wake up 10 minutes before my workout starts. I can just enough time to like put on my leggings. I don't have to wear sneakers. I grab a cup of coffee. I come into my room and I just bust out a 50 minute workout. It could not be easier for me. But at the same time, I do want to do a drop in at, you know, another studio and go to a studio as a more of a social uh, experience with my friends. So I do think we're going to see a lot of hybrid which might also change some business models. We might see more class packs being purchased, more just hybrid uh, 
friendly uh, packages. Um, I, I think other shifts in the industry, you know, I think because there are so many options, like we talked about, you're no longer constrained by trainers within a proximity. There is a lot of saturation and sometimes there's, you know, the paradox of choice. People are just rendered useless by who should I even go with? So I believe um, companies that can really nail the matchmaking portion of this, which is something that Recess is really working on, is how do we take this person, we figure out what it is that they need, and we find the perfect trainer for them. Um, I think that's going to continue to be important so that we can help people make choices faster. Um, And then I think, you know, I think Web3 and VR are going to be in in this industry, whether people like it or not. You know, uh, Web3 is just the next layer of interaction, right? Like it used to be you'd have a cassette tape and then we went, then we went CD and then we went MP3 and then we went streaming, right? Like we're just going layers deeper into interaction and how we're consuming. And so I believe that web three is just the next layer for us. So how is that going to look in the fitness industry? I think that's still to be determined, but people are, you know, likely going to be going into some sort of metaverse and having some sort of experiential fitness interaction, likely in their own home. So, you know, that that'll be interesting to see as well. Um, and then beyond that, I think another portion of this industry is going to be people really want wellness, um, like a bundled wellness consultant. They want to go under one roof and they can get acupuncture. They can see a therapist. They can do a physical therapist for their knees and they want a great trainer. It's like people, I think we're not doing we're going to start to see a shift away from standard healthcare, emergency hospitals and things like that. And people are going to want these kind of boutique wellness experiences with consultants and have their kind of well care teams. Very interesting. You know, I never even thought of VR as a possibility. It's something I'm so unfamiliar with that now that scares me. I'm like, that is not something I am ready to dive into quite yet. But I guess, you know, you're always growing, expanding and evolving. So always got to keep it in the back of my mind. So, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. I never even thought of that. I've created a VR uh, functional fitness course. So people will put on goggles and then you're in the room with me and five other trainers and we're all kind of in a circle. So you really feel like you're in this space with us. And I teach you, uh, you know, the importance of functional training. We go through the main body movement patterns. So you're really able to like take a squat and look at another trainer and, and from any angle in that space and see how they're squatting. And then I can have somebody doing, you know, a progression and a regression all in the same room. So we go through the body movement patterns. I take you through two different Tabata workouts. And then I teach you how to program your own fitness classes. So it's a really unique experience. Um, but yeah, you're wearing goggles. So I think that's that's going to be a bit of a limitation unless we can get some like, you know, high performance goggles that you can do a burpee in. That is crazy. I mean, we did burpees and masks for a while, or at least I did at one of my studios. So, hey, anything is anything is possible at this point. Right. So we've obviously talked and touched a lot on the trainer side of things, but what is a piece of advice you would give to the consumer when considering what their options are? We've just listed off so many different options of this hybrid model of in-person classes, one-on-one trainers. Like what would you give somebody as a fitness lover yourself? What piece of advice would you say like to find what model works best for them? 
Ooh. Um, first, I would ask myself, where do I usually drop off and why? Because it doesn't even matter what you're going to do. If you drop off at a certain point because you get bored, because you're not held accountable, like whatever the problem is, let's attack that first. For a lot of people, it is uh, convenience or fatigue, like they just get bored. So if it's convenience, then okay, I should probably look into an online option because I kind of have no excuses when I can just hit the deck two feet from my from my desk, right? Um, if it's, that's like, of course, I'm saying if you work at home. Um, if it is about uh, accountability, then great. Let's attack the problem from that angle. I'm going to find a personal coach that I have the ability who is uh, willing to text me every morning and keep me accountable. I'm enrolled in some program. Like what is the, what is the thing that's going to keep you there and keep you successful? That's the angle I'd go with it. Yeah, no, I think that's great. That's really what I tell everybody is that not every trainer, not every program, not every option is going to be the right fit for you, but find what works for you, really tackle that first. It is such an intrinsic decision-making process to figure out what that is. For myself, I don't find that I need a ton of accountability, but it's nice to have somebody in my corner when I am having those days of self-doubt or when I am starting to get bored with something. But I also think that if somebody decides to go the route of a trainer and it's whether one-on-one or an online training whatever that looks like for them, to ask a lot of questions before they make that decision. If they are joining a gym, do a couple classes, see if it's something you like, or if they're going to a new um, big box gym, do a tour around the gym, see if it's an environment that you like to be in before it's something you set yourself up for. Because one of the reasons I hear a lot of women in particular not going to the gym is because they don't feel comfortable in the space and they don't feel like they can be there. And so I think there's a lot of things to think about when you're deciding what that option is, but you gave a lot of really amazing options for people to consider. And I think that we got to really dig into kind of what is happening in the fitness industry, how it's changed and where it is going. So Riley, thank you so much for taking the time just to sit down and chat and tell us all of your secrets about what's to come, the VR and how to see a squat from every angle. That sounds kind of fun. <laughs> that is, you should check it out. I'll send you the link. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, Riley. Well, thank you so much. And just reminding everybody always to be bold, to be confident, and to be you. Bye.